builders design bridges, they have to take into consideration loads or stresses on the bridges. Three of the most common include the dead load, the live load, and the wind load. The dead load is the weight of the bridge itself, the structure uh, of the bridge. The live load is the weight of the cars, the trucks, the buses, the people that will be on the bridge at some point in time traveling from one side to the other. The wind load is obviously the amount of weight and pressure that the wind, the weather, storms will cause for that particular bridge or structure. And so engineers design bracings that will allow the bridge to withstand these and other different loads or stresses uh, that will come against it uh, at any point in time throughout the day or the night. As we follow Jesus by faith, we have to navigate the different loads or stresses that come our way in life. Three of the most common of these loads that we have to navigate as followers of Jesus Christ include the past. Like engineers with bridges, we must consider our past. We have to take into account the good and the bad that has happened to us in the past so that we can walk in victory over our past. In order to do this, we must acknowledge the past. We must admit, acknowledge the impact, the hurt, the harm, the challenges that our past has caused for us and continues to cause for us in the present. We must acknowledge the good and the bad from our past. Secondly, then we must reconcile the past. We must go to God. We must communicate with God. We must give our past to God. We must ask for his help to walk through this past that that we continue to struggle with in the present. We have to ask God for forgiveness. We have to ask others for forgiveness. We have to show forgiveness for others who may have caused us harm in the past. Reconciling the past means getting it to God, giving it to God, and listening to God as he leads us through the past. Then third, we learn from the past. We learn from it. We don't live in the past. We learn from the past. We learn God's truth from what happened to us. We're able to then walk with his wisdom in the present. We're able to memorize scriptures that will help us to remember the victory that we have in Jesus and that will help guard us against being drawn back into the challenges of our past. And then we forth thank God for the past. We thank him for it, for the understanding he's given to us, for the freedom that he's given to us over our past, for the victory that is ours in regards to the past. You see, we don't want the past to hinder us or weigh us down in the present. A second load that we deal with often is the present. This includes our daily challenging circumstances, the difficulties that we face in life, the influence and stress caused by other people in our lives and on our lives, the influence and stress caused by our jobs, our health, our relationships. It includes the battle of spiritual warfare. It includes Satan's temptations, lies, and accusations. The present also includes God's tests and trials of our faith that he allows us to walk through to grow us in our faith in him. It also includes all the blessings of God that we have received from him in Christ Jesus. It includes the encouragement that we receive from our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And then a third load that we have to navigate through is the future. 
though tomorrow isn't here yet, we can easily get caught up in looking to tomorrow and miss out on God's plan for today. Satan loves to tempt us to look ahead. Whether it's an hour ahead, a day ahead, a week ahead, a month ahead, a year ahead, or years ahead, he loves to either stress us out by what's behind or he loves to stress us out by what is ahead. He loves to engage us in the what-if game. What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if that goes on? Well, what are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? How are we going to work? How is this going to work? What is going to happen? Well, this is never going to happen. This is never going to work. When he engages us in the what-if game, he always takes us to the worst-case scenario possible to stress us and to load us down. This is why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for today has enough trouble of its own. So we understand and realize that if we get caught looking too far ahead to tomorrow, it can produce stress in us and rob us of our focus, our joy, our strength, our victory in Jesus today. Thankfully, God has placed his Holy Spirit in us to brace us, to strengthen us, to sustain us so that we can stand firm in our faith as witnesses for Christ Jesus, regardless of the loads or stresses or challenges that come against us in life. Praise God, his grace is sufficient for us and his power is perfected in our weakness. Praise God, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and we the righteous can run to it in fine safety. Praise God, greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world, amen? Greater is God who is in us than he who is in the world and we can walk in this victory day by day that is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to continue doing that this morning. I want to invite you to open your Bibles and me to Galatians chapter 1. We're going to continue in our study of this fantastic book this morning. I want to thank Pastor George for doing such a great job preaching and teaching God's word last Sunday. Yes. I know you were blessed by God, by George's message from God. And I'm excited to share God's word with you this morning. I'm excited for many reasons. One reason in particular is because God has told us in his word that his word never returns void. It always accomplishes the plans and purposes that God has set for it. So what this means for us this morning is this. We're here on purpose, not by accident. Whether we're in person, whether we're streaming online, God has a purpose and plan for us. And as we get into his word and this Holy Spirit of God teaches us the truth of God through the word of God, God is going to accomplish his work in us of making us more like Jesus of helping us so that we can be who God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do. It's exciting to be here together knowing that God has something for each one of us this morning. And so as we get back into Galatians chapter 1, we know Paul greeted the believers in Galatea in verses 1 through 5. Paul then immediately rebuked the believers in the churches in Galatea in verses 6 through 9. Paul reminded these believers as he rebuked these believers of his truth to these believers. First, Paul rebuked these believers because they were so quickly and easily turning away from God and the truth of God's word to false teachers and their false teaching. 
And so Paul reminded them that he had taught God's gospel to them and that they had believed in and received God's gospel of truth by God's grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. These false teachers or the Judaizers were disturbing and troubling the believers and the churches in Galatea with their false teaching of salvation by works. They were saying that you got to do works in order to be saved. And so Paul loved these believers. Paul didn't want these believers to turn away from God or the truth of God's word. So Paul rebuked these believers. Reminder number one, we've got three reminders real quick that we want to look at. Here's the first reminder to us from God's word, and that is simply this. We need to be on guard spiritually. We must remain on guard spiritually so that we don't turn away from God or the truth of his word. Whether we turn away from God because of false teachers, because of false teaching, or because of our own selfishness and sin, it doesn't matter. We must be on guard spiritually so that we don't turn away from God and the truth of his word. Because that leads us away from all that God has for us and all that we want that God has for us in Christ Jesus. So Paul understood this. So he rebuked these believers. He didn't want them to turn away from God or the truth of his word. He said then in verse 10, for am I now trying to persuade people or God, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So in verse 10, Paul uses the word for, remember we said that's a transition word. That word for connects what Paul wrote in verses six through nine with what Paul's getting ready to write in verses 10 and following. If you notice, Paul used this word for at the beginning of verse 10, verse 11, verse 12, and verse 13. So he's connecting what he had previously said to what he's getting ready to say. Paul wanted these believers to know why he wrote these words of rebuke to them here at the beginning of Galatians. He, we already know, wrote these words to them because he loved them. We know he wrote these words to them as well. Secondly, as he's telling them, because of the influence the false teachers had over them. So he wants them to understand the reason I'm writing these words is because the influence of the false teachers over you. And then he said, for am I trying, now trying to persuade people or God? Here's what's going on and why he opened up with these, this question in verse 10. The false teachers accused Paul of being a people pleaser. They said, hey, Paul, you're pleasing people, not God. In particular, they said, you're trying to please the Gentile converts by teaching a gospel of grace and not requiring works for salvation, specifically circumcision and obedience to the Old Testament law. You're trying to just win a popularity contest with these Gentiles. You're trying to make it easy on them. You're trying to please people rather than God. That was one of their many accusations against him. Paul admitted that prior to his salvation, he was guilty of trying to please God and his fellow Jews by persecuting Christians. He really thought at that point in his life that he was pleasing God and that he was pleasing his fellow Jews by persecuting Christians. However, as Paul shared, when Jesus met him on the Damascus Road, everything changed. 
And what Paul is saying now is he is saying to these false teachers, I want these false teachers to know, but more importantly, he's saying to these believers, I want you guys to know that I want to please God and only God right now. I am no longer trying to please people and God. And Paul shared with them reasons why they could know this. Number one reason, Paul rebuked these believers in the churches in Galatea. Number two, Paul rebuked the false teachers and their false teaching. Number three, Paul pronounced a curse on anyone who taught a different false gospel other than God's gospel of grace in verses eight and nine. And number four, Paul suffered persecution. Literally, Paul was almost beaten to death because of his faith in Jesus and teaching the truth about Jesus. And so Paul was saying, hey, these are key pieces of evidence that you guys know happened to me that you know, that lets you know that I am not trying to please people. I'm trying to please God. Paul continued and said in verse 10, or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul said, listen, if I was trying to please people, I wouldn't be rebuking anyone. I wouldn't be pronouncing a curse on anyone. I would be doing it and saying everything that you people want me to do and say. He said, I long ago realized that I cannot please people and please God. It doesn't work. Paul said, if I want to be a servant of Christ Jesus, then I must please God and God alone. Because I cannot be a servant of Christ Jesus and also try to please people. It's got to be God first. And so here we see our second reminder. The first reminder is we must be on guard spiritually so that we don't turn away from God or the truth of his word. Second reminder is we must be on guard against pleasing people rather than uh, pleasing God. We must be on guard against pleasing people rather than pleasing God. God desires and deserves to be first and foremost in our lives. Now listen, listen, let me share with you. I know and understand this. It's difficult for us to apply this truth today. It's very difficult with the prominence of social media, with the focus on likes and followers and, and, and the immediate response, and we get caught up. It's easy to get caught up thinking to ourselves, man, I hope everybody likes what I just said. I hope everybody wants to follow me. I hope everybody wants to listen to me. I hope everybody agrees with what I said. And so what happens is we can easily get duped into living a life where we're so focused on pleasing people and we so want our approval from people and we want the attention of people people that we don't even realize that becoming a follower, becoming a people pleaser leads us away from being a God pleaser. Because many times when we try to please people, it requires us to do things that aren't pleasing to God. And when we seek to please people, we are never really able to please people or God. When we please God, then everything else falls into place. When we get out of focus and we try to please people, nothing falls into place. And so we see Paul is sharing this truth with these believers here. Now let's continue in verse 11. Paul says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. Okay, so again, Paul started verse 11 with four. So now we find out, again, Paul's connecting what he previously wrote, specifically his rebuke, to what he's writing now. Paul's saying this, 
I wrote the words of rebuke to you because I love you. I wrote the words of rebuke to you because I am seeking to please God, which is what he confirmed in verse 10. Now he says in verse 11 and 12, we're going to see the third reason. In verse 11 and 12, he says, I wrote these words of rebuke to you because I am also speaking for God. I'm not just seeking to please God. I'm speaking for God. Paul said in verse 11, he said, for I want you to know brothers and sisters. So let's look at this. For I want you. And then he identifies who the you are when he says, I want you to know brothers and sisters. The you that Paul's writing to here are his brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus in the churches in Galatea. He said, I want you to know. What that means is he's saying, I want you to know. I want you to understand. I want you to be clear. I don't want there to be any confusion. I want you to know with certainty. Brothers and sisters, I want you to be absolutely positively clear on what I am writing. I don't want there to be any confusion. I want you to be certain about what I am writing. And so he lets them know. He wants them to know that what he is getting ready to write to them is not from him. It's not of human origin. It's of God. And so he continues and he says that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. So he wants you to know, I want you to be clear why I'm writing to you as I'm speaking for God. And then he says, the words, the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. Now, remember, I shared a couple of weeks ago that the false teachers attacked Paul on some different levels. Number one, they attacked Paul. They said he wasn't uh, an apostle. They said he wasn't a true, genuine apostle of God. Secondly, shared how they attacked Paul's message. They preached a message of salvation by works. Third, they attacked Paul's motivation. They said Paul was seeking to please people rather than God. As we shared, Paul defended himself against each of these accusations. Now Paul continues to defend himself in this verse 11. What these false teachers are saying and the reason why he wrote verse 11 and the reason why he shared that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin is because of this. The false teacher said, since Paul was not a true, genuine apostle of God, therefore Paul's message was not from God. Since Paul was not a true apostle of God, Paul's message was not from God. They said Paul's message was made up. It was man-made. Paul's message is from Paul. Paul's message was from those who taught Paul. And so Paul had already said, remember up in verses 1, 2, and 3, Paul had already said that he was an apostle of God, not by man, but by God. Now he says, I am also preaching a gospel, not of man, but of God. Paul preached and wrote God's gospel, not his. Paul preached and wrote God's words, not his. Paul preached and wrote God's truth, not his. Paul preached and wrote God's message, not his. 
I love what Max Anders, a Bible scholar and author, said. Max Anders said this, No human mind, apart from God's revelation, would dream up a plan of salvation wholly dependent on God's grace and the death of his son. You see, what Paul was saying was, I didn't make up this gospel. This gospel isn't of human origin because I couldn't make up this gospel. Paul didn't make it up because it's impossible for him to make it up because Paul said it's not of human origin. The gospel is not from man. The gospel is from God. And Paul affirmed this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in verses 16 and 17 when Paul said, for all scripture is inspired by God and it's useful and profitable for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness so that the man of God, the woman of God, the people of God may be mature, complete, equipped for every good work. Paul affirmed what he's saying here in 2 Timothy, and he said, listen, every word in this word has literally been inspired by God. That means it's breathed out by God. This word was breathed out by God by the power of his Holy Spirit to the authors that God chose to write and record these words for you and for me. Peter agreed with this. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 20, above all, you know this, no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, men spoke from God as they were what? Carried along by the Holy Spirit. Paul, Peter agree. Every word in this word is the word of God for you and me. Amen. Every word in this word is the word of God for you and for me. This word is not of human origin. This word is of divine origin. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I didn't make this up. I couldn't make this up. There's no mind, no human mind that can make this up. This comes straight from the mind of Almighty God. This word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. This word will direct our steps. God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, will use this word to teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us in righteousness. We're able to live pure and holy lives as we live live according to this word. This word was spoken. It was breathed out. It was inspired by God, by the power of his Holy Spirit to these authors, the authors of this word, who then recorded God's words spoken to them by his Holy Spirit using their gifts, their abilities, their skill, their language, so that we could have this word in our hands, so that we could live it out, so that we could share it, so that we could preach and teach it just as Paul was doing. Paul was rebuking the false teacher's accusations here. You see, the truth of the matter was simply this. The false teachers were seeking the approval of people. Paul was seeking the approval of God. The false teachers were preaching and teaching a different false gospel. Paul was preaching the one true gospel of God's grace to us in Christ Jesus. The false teacher's message was of human origin. Paul's message was of divine origin. Paul's message was from Almighty God. And he continues this in verse 12. Look at what he wrote. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. Here again, he says in verse 12, 4, so he's continuing to explain the reason for his words of rebuke in verses 6 through 9 was in part because he was speaking for God. He's speaking for God. And he said, for I did not receive it, say it, 
it. From a human source, and I was not taught it. Say it. So what is it? It's the word. He's saying it is God's gospel, not his. It is God's word, not his. It is God's truth, not his. It is God's message, not his. Keep in mind, here's what's going on in the background as Paul's writing these words to these believers. Remember, and this is going to play out all through chapter 1 and even as we get into chapter 2. Remember, the false teachers were saying that Paul was inferior to the other 12 disciples of Jesus. They were saying Paul wasn't a true apostle. They were saying he was inferior. They were saying because Paul was not one of the original 12 disciples, because Paul did not travel with Jesus, because Paul did not minister with Jesus, because Paul was not, quote, unquote, trained by Jesus, because Paul wasn't the 12 disciples of Jesus, Paul's message was not from Jesus. Paul's message was man-made. It was made up by Paul and those people who taught Paul. And so what Paul writes here is this in verse 12. For I want you to know, he's saying, I want you to be absolutely, positively clear on this point. It's if he's saying, listen, I want you to hear me and hear me well. He said, for I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it. He's saying this, I want you guys to understand and know, you need to remember what I taught you when I was with you. Now I'm writing these words because I'm apart from you, but I want you to understand this. I was not taught the good news of the gospel of grace by a human source. I did not receive the good news of God's gospel of grace from a human source. He said, my teaching, my preaching, my ministry, my message, my calling was from God, not man. And he says here in verse 12, for I did not receive it from a human source and I was not taught it. And makes, he makes this amazing declaration. Look at this declaration. But it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, in your face, it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. What a statement. Revelation means instruction. It means a disclosure of truth. It means a mystery that was previously hidden that is now revealed. Paul makes this bold declaration. My revelation, my instruction, my truth, my message is from Jesus Christ. Not a human source, a divine source. And he's continuing to counter these false teachers. He said this, I received God's gospel about Jesus on the Damascus Road. I received God's gospel from Jesus on the Damascus Road. I was taught the good news of the gospel by Jesus. Paul made this point because it was true. And Paul made this point to also counter the false teacher's accusations that his words were not of divine origin, that his words were of, were of human origin. What Paul was saying is this. Listen, guys, I did not receive and I was not taught the gospel by Ananias, Peter, James, 
John, or any other human source. He said, I received the gospel. I was taught the gospel by Jesus Christ, just like the other 12 disciples. What Paul is saying was, I am in no way inferior to the other 12 disciples. I am just like the other disciples. We all were apostles chosen by God. We all received a message from God. We all were taught the message by God, by Jesus Christ. So he's helping them to understand that his message was truly not his. It was the Lord's. It was of divine origin. Though this was God's plan for Paul in regards to his salvation on the Damascus Road and in regards to his initial and early sanctification as he was taken away by God and taught by God alone, away from everyone else, which we'll get to at the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. Though this happened with Paul, Paul was not saying that this is normative for all believers. The truth is, most people who do not know Jesus hear about the good news about Jesus from God through people who do know Jesus. It's one of the key reasons why, as followers of Jesus, we are witnesses for Jesus. That's why Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. God empowers us to go for him, and God speaks through us as we go for him. Paul was making this point clear because this was in response to the false teacher's accusations against him. Paul was a very specific, unique case, just like the 12 disciples who were called by Jesus to travel and be trained by Jesus. Paul, very similar in his relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That started on the Damascus Road and continued from that point forward. But Paul is also making us aware, as he has made us aware throughout the teaching of the Word, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know this to be the case. The Holy Spirit in us teaches us God's truth by our own personal study of this word. That's why it's so important for us to get in this word throughout the week on a day-by-day basis, spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, because God will teach you and me in our alone time with God. Amen? He'll teach us in our alone time. But God also, by his Holy Spirit in us, teaches us through pastors, through elders, and through Bible teachers just as he was teaching these believers through Paul. God, by his Holy Spirit in us, will also teach us God's truth through commentaries and and books and Bible study aids that are available to us today. And God, by his Holy Spirit in us, also teaches us his truth through one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, as we do life together in our life teams and our discipleship relationships. And so we see this throughout the Word. Paul was making this clear for him because he was countering the false teachers, which would provide these believers with great encouragement as they received and read this letter and as they were reminded of God's truth in this letter. So as we look at this passage, why is this passage important for us today? What what can we take from this passage that we can apply in our lives today and our relationships today in our ministries 
today and this week? Well, let's look at a few answers to this question. First, Paul's words highlight our purpose. Paul's words here in this passage highlight our purpose. Paul's purpose was to please God. Paul's purpose was to glorify God. Paul's purpose was to please God no matter the cost. Paul knew that his life was about God, not him. Paul knew that his ministry was about God, not him. Paul knew that his message was about God, not him. Paul knew that his strength was from God, not him. Paul was focused solely on God. He was focused on God's call on his life. He was focused on God's gospel of grace and peace in Christ Jesus. He was focused on God's son, our savior, Jesus. Paul was focused on pleasing God, not pleasing people. Paul was focused on sharing God's truth with all those around him. Nothing hindered Paul from fulfilling God's purpose for him. False accusations didn't, persecution didn't, opposition didn't. No one hindered Paul from fulfilling God's purpose for him. The false teachers didn't, the Judaizers didn't, not even his brothers and sisters in these churches in Galatea who were wandering away from God. They didn't even hinder him from fulfilling God's purpose for him, which included to rebuke them. You see, Paul's words highlight our purpose today. Our purpose today is to glorify God. Our purpose is to please God. Our purpose is to make God famous in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships, in the message and ministries of our church family. Our purpose is to glorify God, to please him no matter the cost. It doesn't matter the cost. It's to please him. This is why Solomon told us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Think about God in all your ways and he'll make your path straight. Think about it. It's why Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. It's why Jesus taught us to pray, our father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, our purpose is to please God, praise God, and point others to God. That's our purpose, to please God, praise God, and point others to God. And as we fulfill our purpose by God's power at work in us, we will be blessed, and we'll be a blessing to all those God places around us. And one of the key ways that Paul is reminding us here this morning in this passage, a key way in which we please God, praise God, and point others to God is by teaching, preaching, and sharing the good news of the gospel about Jesus Christ. It's by helping others know our message is not of human origin. Our message is of divine origin. It's from God. God has changed us, and he can change you. What an amazing, amazing privilege that we have to fulfill our purpose. Second, Paul's words are exciting. Man, when you stop and think about it, consider it in this way. God has chosen to reveal himself to us in his son, Jesus. God has chosen to reveal himself to us in his creation. And God has chosen to reveal himself to us in his word. Listen, if God had not chosen to reveal himself to us, we wouldn't be able to know God. Because he's God and we're not. And so we know he has revealed himself to us in this word. It's exciting for us because we know every word in this word is the word of God from God to you and to me. This word is not of, div of, of human origin. This is of divine origin. 
It's exciting for us each day to be able to read this word, study this word, obey this word, share this word, teach this word, preach this word, because we know every word in this book is from God, not us, and every word in this book is true. It's true for us and all those around us. It's exciting to understand and realize the truth of God's word where it comes from and how God's breathed it out to us. And it's alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword today. It changes us. It makes us more like Christ Jesus. A third point we see and why this is important is Paul's words fill us with confidence. We know God is with us. We know God loves us. We know God is watching over us. We know God is working in us, through us, and around us. How? Because God's told us this in his word. We know we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We know we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We know that God will provide all of our needs and meet them all according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. We know there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We know God works together all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. We know that God is carrying on his good work in us until completion, until the day of Christ Jesus. We know we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We know that God will make all grace abound us so that at all times, having all we need in every circumstance, we'll be able to abound in every good work. How do we know these truths? Because God told us these truths in his word. It's right here. God's word fills us with confidence in Jesus to live for Jesus. And then we know this is important for us today. As Paul was sharing with these believers that Paul's words unite us. Paul was seeking to unite these believers, to keep them united to God first and to him. And we know Paul's words unite us today. First, Paul's words unite us in our faith. We are saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. You know this. Paul's words unite us in our faith. Jesus Christ took our place on the cross. Jesus Christ paid our price for sin. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was buried in the tomb. Jesus rose again on the third day. Jesus is alive today. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through faith in Jesus. Salvation is not based upon what we can do for Jesus. Salvation is based upon what Jesus has done for us. Unites us in our faith. Paul's words unite us as family in Christ Jesus. We're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul was saying to these believers. Hey, listen, even though they were wandering away from God, even though they had turned away from Paul, even though they were listening and believing the false teachers and their false teaching, they're still family in Jesus. Paul loved them. Paul understood they were one in Christ Jesus. And we need to be reminded this morning that we're one in Christ Jesus. We're brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we need to stay united together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. We're family. We're family in Christ Jesus. And that means we don't give up on one another. That means we look out for one another. That means we speak God's truth to one another in love when it's necessary. It means we hold one another accountable. It means we support one another. Listen, Paul's words also unite us in our focus. Our focus is to glorify God. Therefore, we must all be united 
We must be alert. We must be sober-minded. We must be watchful. We must be diligent so that we are not led astray by false teachers, by false teaching, by our own sinful, selfish desires, or by simply continually listening to the messages, the philosophies, the thoughts, the beliefs of this world that pour through every channel known to man today and that all serve the same purpose, which is to lead us away from God, his word, and from one another. Listen, we need to remember God's at work in us, but Satan's at work on us. Satan hates God, Satan hates God's word, and Satan hates us, God's people. Satan wants to isolate us from God. Satan wants to isolate us from God's word. Satan wants to isolate us from one another. Why? Because Satan wants us to turn away from God. He wants us to turn away from God's word, and he wants us to turn away from one another. He wants to discourage us. He wants to divide us because he ultimately wants to destroy us. That's why Peter said, hey, be sober-minded, be aware, be alert, be watchful. For your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. He doesn't care who he uses or what he uses. He just wants to devour. That's why Peter also said, resist him. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. And then he said these words, knowing that your brothers and sisters in Jesus around the world are engaged in the same battle. They're engaged in the same battle. What does that mean? It means we're not alone. It means God is with us. It means God's spirit is in us. It means God's words before us. And it means God's people, they're around us. And one of the ways we stay united in our focus is by leaning on one another. Therefore, we must keep our eyes on God. We must keep our minds in this word and we must continue to look out for one another because we need one another's encouragement and accountability. Paul's words unite us in our future as well. Remember now, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. This world isn't our home. We're in it, but we're not of it. And so as long as God keeps us here, we need to let the light of Jesus in us shine brightly through us so that those who are trapped in the darkness of sin around us can be drawn to Jesus by our witness and testimony for Jesus. And then Paul's words also unite us together in our forgiveness. The good news for you and me this morning is if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He'll forgive us our sins and he'll purify us from all of our unrighteousness. You see, we are all united in our desperate need for the forgiveness of our Savior, Jesus. That forgiveness that initially welcomes us into the family, that daily forgiveness that we need that allows us to live pure, sanctified, holy lives, pleasing to God and as a blessing to those around us. So we take this word from Paul and we understand and we recognize and we believe that it is from God through Paul to us, just like it was from God through Paul to these believers. And now we embark on the challenge of putting these words into action in our lives today and this week. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's gonna come and lead in this time of response to the Lord. 
And I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to respond according to the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. Our pastors will be standing here at the front. They would love to pray with you, pray for you, pray over you. If you have a need, care, concern, they would love to be able to help you, to assist you, to pray for you. It would be their privilege and blessing to do that. The altar is open. It always is for you to come and kneel and do business with the Lord. Maybe it's an area of forgiveness that God's calling you to, to seek. Maybe it's an area of forgiveness that God's calling you to show to someone. Maybe there's some unforgiveness that you're holding back from someone. God's saying, hey, I need you to let that go. I need you to let it go. I need you to let it go so I can continue my work in you and so I can continue my work in whoever that person is. Ask God to continue filling you with excitement and confidence in his word, his calling on your life, and all that he wants to do in and through you today. If you're here this morning, either in person or online, and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then I would encourage you to receive God's gift of salvation today for the very first time. As we've shared, the good news of the gospel is simply this, forgiveness of sins and a relationship with God is available to us by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. If that's you, I would encourage you just to cry out to God right there where you're seated, your own heart, your own mind. God saves. Prayer doesn't save anyone. God saves us because He knows us. And just cry out to God and ask God to forgive you of your sins. Tell God that you are a sinner and you know that you need a Savior and you believe Jesus is your Savior, that He died and rose again. He's alive. He's the way to relationship with God. Confess those sins to God and just turn and receive God's gift of salvation by placing your faith in Jesus. God will come in. He'll change you from the inside out. God's speaking. Let's respond to Him this morning. Let's stand and say yes to the Father together.